0: Welcome to Notes from the Electronic Cottage. I'm Jim Campbell. Our Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution states, among other things, that no one, quote, shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, end quote. There are lots of historical reasons for this inclusion in our Bill of Rights, including, unfortunately, the use of torture to extract supposed confessions from people who are not otherwise willing to speak aloud to authorities. In addition, however, there was a sense at the time of the Constitution's formation that our minds and our private thoughts are sacrosanct and that no matter what might be going on in the wider world, an individual could retreat to his or her mind and find a safe haven for ideas or thoughts or memories and no one else could intrude in that place. As we mentioned on a recent edition of The Electronic Cottage, that place within our minds is perhaps not as secure as it once was in the face of new technologies that have some wonderful promise and, at the same time, some terrifying possible applications. Not very long ago, to enable people to control things outside of themselves by simply thinking about those things, for example, a paralyzed person controlling a robot arm, or typing out a message on a computer screen simply by concentrating on the letters of the message. It was necessary to physically place electrical contacts within the tissue of the person's brain. The benefits to a paralyzed person might be worth the risk of implanting such devices, but implanting such electrodes so that someone could better play a computer game, for example, or perform better on a battlefield, might be a whole different ball game. Now, such implantations are no longer necessary to enable people to think about some actions they wish to have happen, and by simply thinking about them to make those things happen. As we mentioned on an earlier program, new BCIs, Brain Computer Interfaces, are appearing which are essentially wearable devices think a winter cap or a football helmet, with sensing electrodes. These devices can be put on or off at will, and they can interpret brain signals much as implants have done in the past. Those brain signals can enable people to control external objects, whether computer games or military drones or virtual reality environments. In that context, it makes perfect sense for Facebook, one of the most successful companies in the world, to change its name, as it did recently, from Facebook to Meta, short for Metaverse. Facebook envisions a lot of use of brain-computer interfaces in the not-too-distant future. But, just as these new BCIs can enable thoughts to be transformed into commands for action, They can also serve as tools into our most sacrosanct private thoughts. We're entering a new world. And, say the authors of a recent paper, we're not yet ready for that world in many ways. Quote, If in the past decades, neurotechnology has unlocked the human brain and made it readable under scientific lenses, the upcoming decades will see neurotechnology becoming pervasive and embedded in numerous aspects of our lives and increasingly effective in modulating the neural correlates of our psychology and behavior, quote. Further on, they say, quote, we argue that the legal system has to be adequately prepared to deal with the new challenges that might emerge out of emerging neurotechnology, in particular in the context of human rights, end quote. It's this motivation that led the authors, Marcelo Ienca and Roberto Adorno, one from the Institute for Biomedical Ethics, University of Basel, and the other from the School of Law, University of Zurich, both in Switzerland, to offer this paper, which they titled, quote, Towards New Human Rights in the Age of Neuroscience and Neurotechnology, end quote. In it, they propose four new human rights for the times we're entering. Quote, the right to cognitive liberty, the right to mental privacy, the right to mental integrity, and the right to psychological continuity. End quote. This is a much more detailed paper than we can adequately summarize here, so we'll put a link to it for those who want more information on the page for today's program in the Public Affairs Archive at www.weru.org. Let's take a very quick look at the new human rights being proposed here. The first is the right to cognitive liberty. Quoting J.C. Bublitz, the authors assert that right, quote, comprises two fundamental and intimately related principles. A, the right of individuals to use emerging neurotechnologies, be the protection of individuals from the coercive and unconsented use of such technologies, quote. Further on, they describe cognitive liberty as the principle that guarantees, again quoting Bublitz, quote, the right to alter one's mental states with the help of neurotools, as well as to refuse to do so, end quote. The authors maintain that, quote, Cognitive liberty, therefore, is necessary to all other liberties because it is their neurocognitive substrate. As such, cognitive liberty resembles the notion of freedom of thought, which is usually considered the essential justification of other freedoms, such as freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom of press, and freedom of religion. End quote. That's all well and good. But ponder part of that suggested right for a moment, the right to, quote, alter one's mental states, end quote. Some folks already do that, of course, with drugs. In some cases, drugs are welcome cures for medical maladies. In some cases, they're recreational, and in that guise have long been controlled or prohibited by governments. And in some cases, they can enhance mental or physical performance, giving those who have access to those drugs, usually the more well-off and their children, a competitive advantage in school, at work, on sports fields, and in many other aspects of life. Computer gamers who are working hard on new versions of wearable brain computer interfaces certainly think that these devices can give them a big advantage in their gaming competitions, no drugs involved. The military certainly feels the same way and is spending millions on research to translate those neural advantages to the battlefield. The author's version of cognitive liberty then may have more ramifications on the social level than their paper examines. And we'll continue pondering this suggested human right along with the others that the authors propose, right here on future editions of Notes from the Electronic Cottage.